All right, welcome everybody back. Uh, we're here for another episode in our 2022 season of um, Rapid React. Uh, we're uh, got some exciting content thanks to our uh, Dalton event this past weekend. Uh, we got some fun topics to cover this week for gameplay um, through our Dalton event, some strategies that worked and didn't work, how alliances were uh, uh, developed in the alliance selections, uh, some teams that stood out, uh, and a Columbus preview for next weekend. So before we can be begin, I'll get a disclaimer going that we have uh, any views or opinions shared on the show are solely that of the individual contributor and do not reflect the views of Peach Pit, any FRC team, First, Georgia First, or any of their affiliates and sponsors. Um, so the idea of the show is to serve as an FRC talk show that focuses primarily on the Peachtree District. We're going to talk about a variety of topics, so don't be surprised if you see us drop some hot takes. Ultimately, we're hoping to provide some entertaining and engaging discussions. So with that being said, we'll do some host uh, introductions. Uh, my name is Kellen Hill. I'm a mentor for 1746 Auto in Cumming, Georgia. Um, my name is Thomas. I am a mentor for 1746 Auto. I'm Brian Carlson. I'm a mentor for 6829 Ignite Robotics. Glad to have you all here. Um, we have a couple people out this week uh, due, due to quick turnaround time and, you know, certain MCs that have lost their voice. So we'll see them back on some future episodes. But to jump into some of our content here, uh, we're going to first you know, kick things off with gameplay and qualifications at the Dalton event. Now that we have some actual... Um, Qualification match and event uh, action under underway. That's interesting to see how things played out. Uh, Brian, Thomas, what are your thoughts on how gameplay played out just in qualifications? We'll get into elims later. Um, I, I think... Really, Go uh, ahead, Brian. I, I thought it was really <laughs> good. I, it was very clear that it was a first uh, competition for a lot of teams. And uh, I saw a lot of teams at the very first few matches you know, barely going right. And as the as the matches went along, they got stronger and stronger as you know, working out the little kinks. And so I was really impressed by where teams ended up at the end of their qualifications. I, I think mm -hmm. for me, the big thing was I was quite surprised by how well oiled a lot of teams were. Um, there, there were a lot of teams um, breaking off the rust, um, but it was remarkable seeing like 1771 how hot they were out of the gate. Um, 87, 36, their first event, them going crazy. Um, I also think it was interesting. Like a lot of the old guard quote unquote, old guard teams were, had issues going up. Like Walton did not really do well for most of their first day. Otto had issues, um, on and off the entire event. Ignite didn't really, when you can speak more to this, Brian had struggled shooting throughout the event. And it was very interesting to see how that that dynamic was working and that's where i know we did our a little bit of a conversation last week on, on making some picks um but it was really interesting to see the teams that did show up uh we're talking and we'll uh, we'll make some picks later but there were some in, it was really cool to see the teams that you know don't often get a lot of the spotlight coming on with some real cool uh real cool robots um yeah, like you guys said, I think uh, qualifications, you could tell teams, there were certain teams that came in where like, all right, we've had some time at DE, we've got some time on our own practice field, uh, coming in ready for action, and a lot of other teams are 
learning some lessons the hard way. Um, we, I know we struggled with consistency throughout qualifications, um, something that we're aiming to fix uh, moving forward. But yeah, it's uh, for Dalton being the loaded event of the P uh, PCH uh, district schedule. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how, how the remaining events wind up panning out and seeing what teams are working on week by week as we get closer to uh, the state championship event um, where we're going to see a lot of these same competitors upping their game uh, even further. So it's, you can say, all right, everybody came in at this level, but don't expect them to be there in a few weeks because I know we're working on uh, things already, um, but it'll be interesting to see where people make those advancements. Yeah. You know, with Ignite, you know, we struggle shooting. Uh, we are having problems with, uh, getting false positives in the limelight, trying to tune that. And once we thought it got tuned, try to get our ranging in again. Um, but one thing I want to shout out is to Christopher, a mentor from 1771 at the end of day one, came over and worked with our students uh, and showed them how to do the limelight tuning uh, more precisely, worrying about the camera settings first before the HSV values. Uh, and that next match, we actually on target 10 times, right? Only four went in. Uh, but that was really helpful for us. Maybe he, you know, wish he didn't do that a little bit later on, but it was really great for him to do that. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, cool to see. Um, I think a lot of teams also learned some uh, some issues pretty pretty quickly, and some teams were able to make some adjustments for it, but the, yeah, the bounce-out um, issue, I think some people figured out, all right, our sweet spot's going to be, you know, right here on the field. We'll try to shoot from there as often as possible. So even though we have a, a swerve with a turret, we can't shoot from anywhere. So we got to shoot from that sweet spot. So it's interesting to see how those trends played out. But I think that's going to be one of those biggest team, one of the bigger things that teams focus on as they try upping their shooting games in future weeks to iron out some designs to be able to have a more consistent shot from wherever they're shooting from. Um, any other uh, thoughts on qualifications? I know, um, what, 1771, I think, had all was in all four instances of unicorn matches at, at the Dalton event. I think we came in within one cargo and within one low climb of a unicorn match for one match, but um, um yeah that ranking game was pretty clearly uh, a thing for i think the cargo rp was done in about nine or ten percent mat of matches and then... i think the cargo op was most i don't think that was done outside of 1771 i'm no, pretty sure most i'm pretty sure if if not mo almost all of them were because i'm pretty for sure the, the, the majority yeah so yeah. let me get the think... numbers from the blue alliance we get the Cargo bonus RP was 11 out of 122 instances for 9%. And then hangar bonus RP was achieved 22 out of 122 instances for 18%. Yeah. So I'd have to check on that. But yeah, all the unicorns were 1771. And then I think there were a couple, one or two instances of cargo outside of 1771, but they were certainly the majority. Yeah. I think what was crazy is the number of traversal climbs we saw. Um, and there were potential to be more. I know 1771 the, throughout the entire event was working on theirs. They just never got it quite there. Um, I think they ended up sticking at high bar. But I, I remember at the beginning of the event when we were talking about, oh, only two teams are going to have it or 
oh, only three, and I, and now we were wrong. Um, I I think that that was a cool thing to notice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminds me a bit of yeah our 2013 strategy for auto was to just shoot our shot in Auton and then climb the rest of the match. So it's cool when teams make that very intentional decision of you know, we're going all in on this thing and and pull it off. So. Uh, props to those teams that were able to pull off that accomplishment of getting all the way up to the traversal rung can at any point or any with it or with any amount of consistency. So very cool to see. Um, if there are no other thoughts on quals, uh, any thoughts uh, on how those led into the Alliance selection? Um, I think Alliance selection, at least on my end was really interesting. Um, going in, there was that big, big question of who's going to win the 1771 lottery. Um, I know a lot of teams were really, really hoping heard a couple when listening to like, as, as third bots were being chosen, a couple of teams exclaimed despair as they were chosen before um, 1771 (laughs) was, uh, was the pick. Um, But I, I think there were definitely some interesting things. I think 1771 picking the mechanisms was really, Really interesting on my end. I did not expect them to pick that team. Um, going in, I think I just thought this the way that Cargo is scored at this in this game. Um, if you're scoring a lot, the other team really isn't because of how limited the balls are. Um, I thought that 1771 would either pick us, who's a lower volume shooter, but we have the climb, or they would just go with 6705 and one of the best traversal. Um, climbs at the event that was really really consistent um, and then picking 80 uh, the mechanisms really surprised me um, and then the, the next couple picks were just really interesting to me I think 6705 came in looking at a strategy of oh we don't think we can beat them with cargo let's go all in and try and get this double traversal thing um, picking 6340 um, and then 832 picking Walton and just saying, oh, they, they're the best shooter available. Um, and th- those were all you know, good decisions, I think. It's just really interesting to see how all that shaked out. Um, going in, I did not expect us to fall, at least auto, to fall all the way down to four. And I was actually quite happy where we landed. Um because I knew we were... They, I was sad to land on the same side of the bracket as 1771. <laughs> it would have been, been a lot nicer to be in the the three, the second or third seed just for bracket. You know, yep. I'd much rather lose in finals and lose in semis, especially with how important district points are this year. Um, but I, I think in every team had distinct strategies of okay at least in the top four of how we're going to win um and i and i think brian can speak to a little bit about how um the fourth alliance picks went down um but there very much was a rhyme and reason behind what we were going after yeah so i was in the same boat as thomas i i did not expect um north Gwinnett to pick mechanisms um, mostly not because of, for several reasons, right? Uh, one is this is only 11 balls in the field, right? And, you know, 1771 can be happy eating all of those balls up and shooting them as fast as they come out. Uh, so I thought that there would be a little bit of a starvation uh, going on there. 
as one one reason why I thought they would not go that route. The other one was um, I know that um, North mechanism mechanisms intake stays out, and the G two hundred four rule with, uh, as being called heavily in week one, I thought might be a little bit of a risk, and we'll talk about that later on. Um, you know, so I thought you know the question I was like, well, do they go with either 6705 to get the dribbles for climb because it's points that you can't defend. And I thought I might go more that way. The, and if they didn't go that way, I lean towards you, you guys because you had the, um, and this is something that really wasn't seen out there, but I'll still talk about it. Cause I got video, so, you, you know, it was in the pit, so I can talk about it. Um, at the match, you added on the ability to go from the mid to the high rung, although it wasn't fully working yet, you were working there. And I thought that would be a benefit uh, to um, North Gwinnett because you, you offer you offer firepower as the, I think about the third highest scoring uh, output as far as cargo and the high goal, very reliable against defenders. So it's harder to defend against you because you can't push you around as much. Uh, and with the possibility of going to the high rung, I thought would allow them to sort of uh, defend against the tra traversal uh, strategy. So that's why uh, once they picked mechanisms, I'm like, all right. Uh, and then I, I so I, I expected 6705 to go with a shooter to go after um, 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 North Gwinnett. Uh, when they went double, double traversal, uh, that sort of like had me like, okay, what's going to happen now? Because there's a lot more inner picking going on that I expected moved us up. Uh, I expected to have a different pick list down where I thought we'd be at. Uh, and so when Oscar got on the clock, I knew, you know, it's either going to be 29, you know, um, Walton doesn't get picked and then they pro probably would pick us maybe, or uh, 17, 1746 would be available. And so I, when they're on the clock, I was running over trying to get, you know, Thomas's attention because I'm like, I think I'm going to be picking you, and uh, it, it happened. So uh, I was very pleased to be able to uh, partner up with 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 Otto again. Uh, it was a, it was fun as as much fun as it was the last time. Um, so yeah, I it went a little differently. I totally understand what uh, North Carolina did. A lot of times, it, a lot of ways, it's like what they did in 2019 at Forsyth when they had a, a level three climb instead of picking the the best cargo it's it's different there because 50 um set and at 2019 for scythe 1771 was the team being picked mm -hmm. um i think is a clarification there yeah. but yeah it's it's, it's the yeah. same general thing do i right. pick a but team you pick the two triple climbers nobody else can triple climb then you're not you know so picking the two best shooters nobody's gonna outshoot you is what you know they went for uh and i thought you know thanks for the clarification by the way I had that pick order wrong. Um, but yeah, um, I see that and I, I can see why you can choose that. Uh, I, I just, I expected some of little, they, they zigged when I thought they would zag. So, yeah. Well, and that's where, to your point on 1771, maybe going with us for high climb, they did poke their head in our pits uh, occasionally through either the end of Friday, uh, with the end of Friday or early Saturday, just asking, hey, how's that high bar climbing coming? That uh, I think it was our first qual match on Saturday morning that we there was obviously the, the delay but we didn't get as much time that morning as we were hoping for to get things rolling but number two 
we got pretty demolished in our first quals match. So we got our battery box like mangled. Um, our shooter motor got hit. So our belt fell off. So we had to fix all of those things before our match or our audition with 1771 where we're playing with them. So of course we're like, you know, struggling to get these things fixed instead of focusing on getting the high bar climb working. And I, I think that those are some of the things that uh, doomed us a little bit for not being, not being that the uh, you know, lottery ticket winner for <laughs> teaming up with 1771. But yeah, um, obviously it was a, a fun ride uh, along the way anyway. Yeah. One of the things I was talking to some of our newer, um, newer people on the team, you know, being very much rookies like, well, back in match one, they did this. I'm like, if you look at every team's first competition, right. Look at the last three or four matches. And so mm -hmm. Saturday morning was going to be very critical for everybody because everybody was tweaking things, fixing things, tuning things, uh, and your last three or four matches is really what it was for your first competition. Yeah, we, we had we had some problems too that morning. It was huge that, for us too because the two we got to play were the number one. The first one was against the mechanisms, the team where we're going like head to head with for getting that pick. And then number two, the second one was with 1771, which of course I think our intake wound up breaking and we had to resort to some defense and it wasn't nearly as nice, uh, good of a match as it, as it should have been. But lots of things to iron out there. Yeah. And I think something there on, you know, on the scouting side is something I, I told my student or told our students is don't look at individual match performance. Look at how generally teams are growing throughout the event um, is really important. Um, so you, 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 you want to pick the trend line because if a team is trending up, you're kind of expecting them to continue trending up. You have to be aware that at some point there is a ceiling. Um, but you want to pick, okay, this team is really, you know, growing in. You want to look at, okay, this team started real well, and then other teams kind of started surpassing them. Why is that happening? Um, and then another thing we really need, you, we were looking for is what are what are teams that can inconsistently do crazy things? Um, that was something that, you know, as we were getting lower and it's like, oh, we're being outgunned, is what are, what are teams that they might not, you know, do the Traverso climb, they might have only done it once, but they did it once, so they might be able to do again. Of yeah. you know, just looking at stuff like that is really important, especially if you're in those lower picks. Um, you almost want to pick the. We're either going to score zero points or a hundred points, but if we score a hundred points, you're doomed. Um, is just something that's that's you know, and in which situations do you want to pick the consistent bot or the inconsistent bot, and that's just something that I think that more teams should take, um, pay more attention to. Um, and I know Brian kind of wanted to talk about how or what the meeting, um, the team, our team meetings looked like the night before prior to Alliance selection. Yeah. Um, so as we, you know, we're starting our fifth year, right? Um, but, you know, 2020 and 21 weren't the typical year. So still very green. We have a lot of uh, rookies. Actually, our, our strategy lead is a rookie. Um, and so I'm always a big fan of if you're doing the same thing you did three years ago, you're not learning and changing. I'm always trying to, you know, learn what's going on and try to change and improve as much as we could. Uh, and so, uh, one of the questions I had for Thomas was how are you, how is your pick night going? Uh, I had a little bit of a problem at, at, uh, at Dalton with, with scouting. Our scouting team did a great job. 
Um, but I don't always trust uh, Wi-Fi, or sorry, not Wi-Fi, I don't trust cellular data. And so we paper scouted and then we put those into Google Forms to get into Google Sheets to do analysis. Um, and at the end of, at the lunch break, we got all this stuff entered, uh, things were busy. And by so I was gonna take them to back to the hotel room to enter them and I left them in the pit, couldn't go back in. So um, I wanna point out for those teams that might not have the resources to do th uh, a lot of scouting, on Chief Delphi, there's a post called Introduce the Introducing Scoutless to 2022, a scoutless way to scout by the uh, mentor handle is Jared DHK. It's a great resource because that's what I felt, well, that's what I reverted back to since I didn't have the real data. It's basically an OPR spreadsheet that connects into the Blue Alliance and pulls down all the data for that match. Um, and so our, our strategist that night was a lot more crude than I'd like to be because I didn't have the actual data. Uh, so we went through and sort of like figured out, you know, where we're going to fall or rise to. So we knew how many picks we needed to have. Um, but we didn't get into a lot of uh, more detail because of the, the time it took for us to get there because I didn't have the data. So I had questions on 1746 and, you know, kind of how you went through the process and what your process looks like. Yes. So for this event, we do, we did, uh, for scouting, we do something similar. Um, we we had that same issue of like not trusting that Wi-Fi and cellular data is going to be there. Um, so we had our we were fortunate that we have a we have the manpower to do this. Um, but we have like six scouts all scouting on paper, and then they hand all those papers to a set of three um, three people in front of them that I like to call the pit bosses, um, who then input in real time all the paper scouts into a Google Sheet. And then we hold on to the paper just for data validation on the back end in case we need to look at stuff um, specific. Um, and then going into our strategy meeting, we were fortunate or unfortunate, depending on how you look at it. Is like we we pretty much knew going in, we are not going to be in the top eight and most likely um, unless something really crazy happens. So we don't really have to plan on two picks. Um, we only really have to plan on getting a third pick. Um, since we we expected to be that like the the being picked, um, we weren't going to be an alliance captain. Um, and when we when we realized that, it was a logical decision of there's only like two big scenarios of either we get picked by 1771 or we don't. Um, and then we quickly ran to the conclusion of well, we don't really have to plan for if we get picked by 1771. Um, because if we get picked by 1771, we just play standard, pick standard. Um, they have. I knew that they were scouting a lot um, through my conversations with one, with a couple of their scouting mentors, Luis and Sid. Um, and so we didn't really chase that rabbit hole of what's the plan if we pick 1770, if we get picked by 1771, and we just ran down of what do we want to do, how do we beat. 1771 if they don't pick us um we we and like i said we kind of i kind of expected or thought that they should pick us or a climber um but we expected them to chase the 8736 just because the points were heavily favored to our 8736 being the favorite there um and so we looked at what are things that what are the weaknesses 
in that alliance. And this can really tie into our strategy in, in the eliminations of they couldn't really climb that much um, with uh, us looking at the if just 1771 only having the high bar and mechanisms not being able to climb at all. We, we should look at teams that can climb and play really, really good defense of and, and that be our way to almost like money ball, um, a def, money ball and upset because um, we knew we weren't going to be able to outshoot them just because they were lights out. Um, and so the, our priority list became, OK, we want teams that are able to intake and outtake balls um, just so they can pick up ball starvation is a thing and pick up the red alliances balls just so they can't score them and then we looked at what teams that could climb and could drive really really fast um and just worked off that list and worked all night and this can really uh, to to create those lists um and so i think now we're going to go into um what happened in the eliminations um i think uh, for the most part, the first couple Elims matches went kind of standard. Uh, the first seed ended up sweeping there, uh, sweeping the eight seed. Um, the and the second alliance did the same. Um, there was a bit of drama uh, going into quarters uh, with six, the sixth seed um, and the fifth seed pulling upsets in their first match against the fourth and the third alliances respectively. Um, but in the end, those the fourth and third ended up winning. And where a lot of te uh, teams and people will be interested in is what happened in semis, where the number one over uh, number one heavily favored alliance ended up facing the number fourth alliance and really got a run for their money. Um, and I think that really speaks to, uh, and Kellen can speak to this, one of the big difference between Elims and Quals across all years and games is in Quals, what happens during defense. Um, in Quals, teams tend to shy away from defense because there's that, I don't want, there's the aspect of them not wanting teams to uh, think poorly of them, of, oh, they defended me in Quals, I'm not going to pick them. And then there's the thought of, oh, uh, the other line of you don't really have your your opponents change every single match and your teammates change every single match. So you can't really game plan how to play defense respectively. And there's not really a, a point of putting in the effort to doing that because it's the team you it, team you play defense against each team on a team by team basis. Um, and so going in against 1771, what we looked at is, yes, they were scoring the most amount of balls, but they pretty much were scoring on that tarp line. And so we went and we told we 53-32 of, hey, if on that tarp line, don't let them, you know, hit them, push them off of it because um, their their scoring output really dropped. And then we also looked at. 87-36, and we began to notice when they got defended, um, it appeared that their driver would get flustered or something would happen, and their quality dropped as well. And so we basically looked at it as like we they don't they have not really been defended. Let's see what happens. Um, and we ended up really should have won, but we didn't. 
and it was it was a really fun semis. Well, and that's where I think for that defensive note, you get a lot of teams in quals that are playing defense uh, are primarily doing it because they found out that their their intent for scoring uh, didn't turn out or didn't pan out as intended. So like, all right, defense is our primary strategy. But oftentimes in EUMs, it's a lot of, uh, I think anybody who's doing any, any, any quality scouting is saying, all right, they, this robot's been primarily driven as an offensive robot, but due to their drivetrain or their capability of driving, they could very easily swap to defense and play just as high quality. But number two is that they get to do it several matches in a row, and and you get a, a chance to learn from your first match, to apply to those lessons learned in the, the next match. That yeah, as so, and you've had a whole. Yeah, set of qualifications to learn the preferences of the people you're playing defense on. So uh, that always leads to a ramped up quality of defense in um, in eliminations. And due to the nature of this game, I know we had a lot of bumps and bruises through qualification matches. Uh, we had some fun. Uh, 87-36 had some fun in... Uh, I, I, I hope their their driver had some fun at least in in semifinals. They wound reverting to, um, and this is one of the interesting notes. I I noticed it as it was happening, but got confirmation from the mechanisms later. I was like, why did you have your 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 intake was up the entire remnant of the I think it was the second and the third match <laughs> that they kept their intake up, and I was like, why why did they swap to only defense, and then. You saw it in, in finals that they swapped to having their intake back down again and talking with uh, one of their mentors after after that happened. I was like, what was going on there? I noticed it, but I just want to get confirmation. And he says, well, we knew your alliance would, would probably be one of the ones to take advantage of our bumper being down and and uh, hitting into it to get some of those, uh, what, G204, mm-hmm. something like that, yeah. winds up being the, the contact in the bumper zone. Um but we, we uh, on auto, we noticed that when uh, they uh, we saw any They ended up picking the, up the a yellow card robot. against us, doing the yeah, same thing yeah. in, in quals. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so just noticing that is a, and, and for teams that are looking for any modifications or have yet to play, please, please uh, watch a match video, get some ideas on how to avoid keeping your intake out or at least driving such that you're driving because this happened to us a couple of times where our intake was out and our we lost pneumatics, so we couldn't pressure, so we couldn't bring the intake um, back in. So it was just dangling out, and we resorted to defense. I, I had to tell our driver, like, hey, make sure you're playing defense with the back of the robot so you're not leading with the intake and and giving the other team those, pen, those, those foul points. Um, so interesting lessons learned along the way. Um, but, yeah, cool to see. 87-36 resort to defense, especially on us. I'd, I'd consider that an honor of, of <laughs> sorts, but uh, wouldn't want to have to deal with that ever again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was pretty uh, suffocating defense they played. Uh, I know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Swerves for offense in this game, great. Swerves for defense in this game, even better. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, as far as observation of equals, yeah, I, I agree. First off, everybody wants to come here to score and win. That's the fun part, right? So you're always going to want to lead with that. And, you know, even in 2020, we did this. 
it's like once you you get toward closer to alliance selection you're like let's show some things that we could do to be effective to help a team in eliminations and, and do you know start seeing i think you saw some more on day two where some teams were playing defense as a matter of fact in our final match up against yeah seventeen seventy no actually it was a match at the end of day two I think we played seventeen seventy one um, and I'm, I told my drive team like okay we know we're gonna lose can we just stop them from getting the ranking point right for the shooting ranking point Pl play defense right um, and they got the ranking point right and what was interesting about that is the defense that we played in the limbs with a different type of defense. And it's very important to, to distinguish that because a lot of times you, when you're playing defense, you'll have two offensive robots and one defensive robot. And so in our strategy going into uh, semifinals, it was everybody's playing defense. When they rotate into your area, you become the defensive bot. So they can't run away from defense. They're always running into defense. Uh, and then we were, able, we were able to have some impact, right? But in quarter in court in the qualification matches, when we try to play defense, it's really, really hard against a swerve drive. It, you 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 really can get them out of a spot, but you can't really do much, you know, you know, trying to pin them off to the side and, and pushing them away because they just spin off. Uh, and so yeah, I think the defense that we played worked well as well as you can in that scenario and then and then something i also want to touch on is a lot of the times people's defense is a lot like a car crash you know where you hit them and then you keep pushing the team you know back in the classes where you see teams get t-boned and about all that type of stuff whereas this much really against the swerve drives you hit them they kind of roll off and then they stop shooting they move on again is you really want to be intentional of you, you want to hit them back away and hit them again um, just so you're constantly forcing them to be moving off their spot because if you if you hit them and start pushing they just a lot the, they can lock their swerve modules or they can just stick in place shoot and then move again yeah. um, and you kind of just want to keep them moving yeah another thing in, in regards to reacting to defense right uh, you see a lot of times when somebody plays D against you you want to push them back you pushing back is what they want. You're not getting away. You're you're trying to engage in a, a I'm not going to let you touch me, right? Uh, and so if you're getting pushed on, you want to break away. If you're a West Coast drive and you can't spin like a swerve, you really want to try to disengage and get out of there and not try to engage in more defense. The more you push against them, the more time you're not scoring. And the more you're going to frustrate the field uh, supervisors by burning holes in the carpet, so... <laughs> <laughs> sorry for all the field volunteers out there <laughs> but, did you see um, about the notice that went out to the washington district How yeah no the... no blue nitrile tread anymore yeah, so. we're gonna warn you there's field damage <laughs> but I, I, talking to the field supervisors i think they noted that are noting any comparisons to 2017 it's a very similar game mechanic in that your teams are often driving against the wall and burning tires until they square up against it like they were when they were getting gears from their human players that you'd have the same exact holes burned in the carpet right there yeah um so they had to change that carpet out pretty consistently but 
yeah, yeah, interesting challenges for the field, or I guess game designers for anticipating um, yeah, any of the, those uh, distinct game mecha mechanics and how those might affect the field. But um, yeah, some other thoughts on gameplay and eliminations. We had, uh, I, I think, what it was the number number two alliance, right, with sixty-seven of five and sixty-three forty. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really yep. cool to see how those climbing points kind of stabilized their output um, and that if they could bank on those, they could get a, a decent ways that wound up carrying them all the way to finals. Um, and then the third bot, if was 80, 80, am I, or I'm trying to, 80, 80, 88, 66 was the third bot that also then had a high climb, if I remember correctly. Um, so yeah, they had a, a awesome output on um, scoring uh, some climbing points. Um, but yeah, if you could minimize the amount of damage the other lines had put in on uh, cargo, that um, yeah, got them all the way to final. So awesome strategy there for those for buying in so heavily on that. Um, it was interesting watching. I, th I think I remember watching finals too, and knowing that. They, they went back early to do their traversal climbs, which I think they got both of. But then uh, I think the Red Alliance had done the same, but uh, the mechanisms were left just uninhibited for the last 20 seconds or so, just shooting <laughs> shooting away, which was really cool to see. Um, just I was standing right behind 1771, but they're like, all right, let me do the math. I was like, I think you guys are pretty safe on the points margin to be able to safely cover all those climb points. But yeah, it was cool to see the mechanisms shooting to the very very last drop. I agree. Climb is really important, right? Because there's you're fighting for resources during teleop. And even though you don't have a traversal, traversal climb, any climb is very valuable. Any alliance. Uh, I If you have an every bot kind of climb with a simple thing that flips up, I saw several bots that had that but wouldn't. Uh, it wasn't properly over center of gravity until the bumpers were touched and would not get the climb. So if you have that, Make sure you have your center of gravity or add some weight so you're balanced. Uh, when we were selecting, you know, one of the things I keyed on was I knew that um, 1771 has a high, a high climb. They can do traversal. They've been avoiding it because they want to get locked, locked down further before they risk it. Um, and so I, you know, the mechanism of not being able to climb you know, it was very crucial when we were picking, trying to find the bot that climbs, uh, even in the second bot, really important because those are points that in essence can't be defended and all you gotta do is execute. So if you're, if you got something that's close, work on that. Mm -hmm. All right, any other thoughts on gameplay and eliminations? Uh, one one thing I think we should touch on is in semis match two, um, 1771 appeared to be late, was told to um, – that was told they weren't allowed back on the field and then all of a sudden was. Um, Georgia First has in the past been very, very um, strict on show up on time or you don't get to play. Um, Gaines, uh, that happened to 1414 at Gainesville in 2019. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to know. We were on the other said. side of the field in that instance as well, so, which is. Yeah. So let me, let me sort of talk about that a little bit. Um, so at grits, Jan sort of went over since we had a lot of rookies, a lot of some of the rules that 
teams may not be aware of. And one of them was timeouts coming back from timeouts. Uh, and a lot of districts will do it differently. And I like the way that Peachtree does it, which is if the referee sees you moving and they can see you on the way and the timeout goes off, you can still get on the field, right? Um, and so um, 1771 came out from every in the stand, saw them come out. The, the, well, actually, the timeout go off, the gate go down on the field, uh, and then about 15 seconds later, right, because they weren't in, nobody saw them. They came out from the pit area and they wanted to get on. And basically, uh, the head referee, I'm, I'm not sure if it was the head referee or Jan, but somebody basically said, uh, the timeout was ended. We did not see you. You can't come on. And, and I don't know they said this, but that's what we can kind of infer since they, they went away. Um, mm -hmm. And so I know Thomas and I were up in the stands, and I was I was not I was disappointed in that. Right? We always want to play and actually, you know, your best versus our best, and let's go out and see what what happens. Um, and so what had happened was um, they had come down the other side on the Blue Alliance side of the uh, runway to, to load in. Um, and they realized they're on the wrong side, but the referees were on the yeah. other side and did not see them. And so when they went around and they got waved off, Kellen had seen them coming down and then talked to the head referee and said, no, no, they were there, but nobody was over there to see them. We did see them and they were on time. And that yeah, was I was lucky enough to have the perspective from our Blue Alliance driver station that I could see essentially where 1771's pit was at and the full field view. That as time timeout was ticking down, that you could see 1771 was rolling and that, that they did come in blue queue instead of red queue. So they had to then turn and keep going behind the drape. But you could see then the head referees were on the other corner of the field. Like, I don't see them. Where are they? Um but I, I could see what was happening in that when 1771 pulled up, um, you could see that they got turned away from the field. And I I was happy to be in a situation where I could provide a, an additional perspective since they were on the opposite side of the field. So I, I made sure to go up to the head referees say, hey, they were rolling by the time the timeout was ticking. We want to play against these guys. We do not want to win this way. Um, we know how heads and shoulders above the the competition 1771 was um and would <laughs> i'm winning winning the events nice and all but if if yeah. you win it that way it's it's that it certainly cheapens the feeling um and i i was very happy to be in a, a situation to provide that additional perspective and let the head refs know um that they were they were rolling and they were they were on their way uh, before the timeout ended so fortunately they were led on the field after after they got hunted down, um, you could tell that they were a bit shaken still from that first match. They had fallen off of their their climbing rung and smashed, I think, their limelight mount and uh, were definitely a shadow of themselves that second match, um, but wound up pulling off a, a victory by two points. Um, so they, they then pushed it to a third match, which they were then much more prepared for. Um, so yeah. <laughs> uh, so it was a bit frustrating on our end that we wound up losing, but I think we, we made the right call there by trying to push them to get them on the field. Yeah. So and I think coming from past experience in that type of situation, Otto in 2019 beat 1771 
because of a questionable, I believe it was G20 that year, the going the questionable calls on the going inside the frame perimeter. Um, and just and I was as a student back then, you don't like winning that way because it almost sort of cheapens the win. You know, because when you talk about it with your friends, like, oh, we won. They're like, but you shouldn't have, or it's only because that this this penalty got called in this way. A lot similar to like the Rams when the Rams made the Super Bowl. I think it was the the year they lost to the Patriots. Of, oh, we made the Super Bowl, but it's because there was that really bad blown pass interference call. Um, it, it just kind of cheapens the experience. And one thing I talk to my students and the um, students' parents who are there in the stands of, hey, if we win this match without 1771 on the field, you know, celebrate our win, but don't really celebrate their demise because other people's misfortune does not mean it's our fortune. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I was really happy that we got to play against them all three matches um, just because it's, it's up until semis, they had not lost a single match. Both them and the mechanisms were undefeated going to that series. And once they left that series, they didn't lose again. And so I think it's really cool. Like, even if we had pulled that off, it was we, – we, we pulled it off on the merit of our own two on, – on the merits of us, not on the merits of someone else not being able to play. Right. Mm -hmm. So normally every all the opinions expressed in this show are not the opinions of the teams, just of the hosts. But officially from Ignite, thank you for doing that. Um, I know that we – if we were in that situation, we would want that same thing to be called. And we appreciate you did that because this is about uh, Tracer's professionalism and cooperation. And so thank you from Ignite for doing that. Yeah, it was, I, uh, I'm glad I was in a position to have the perspective to provide that input. And I like it, exactly what you're saying. I think it's it, not to pat myself on the back, but I think it's, it's something as an alumni of first first robotics team up in Illinois. I, I think it's uh, evidence of a lot of the values this program instills in people um, to make the right call, even if it's a tough situation and one you might prosper from if you if you shouldn't speak up. So uh, happy to have been able to speak up. And congrats, 1771 on the win. Well. We'll, we'll get uh, you next time. Yep. That or, you know, wouldn't mind playing with you next time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Got to share the love, right? <laughs> I actually joked with uh, uh, one of their mentors the night before when the weather delay was. I'm like, they're trying to save time. So they're just going to give you a blue banner and you can pick two other teams to get one too because, you know, you're just so good this year. They, they, It's amazing where they, where they started out at. Um, and we, we knew they'd be good. Uh, we knew the autonomy work, but their, their driving and their ability to execute. Uh, it's very interesting where you sort of set that bar and where the game's going to go. Uh, it's going to be kind of hard for them to start really increasing output more. They could probably get increased accuracy. So teams will definitely have something to sort of shoot for to sort of, as time goes on, what's capable and what can they do to try to uh, get better where they're at and, and try to move up their their ranking and um, sort of keep up with the game. I hope we keep up with the game. We'll see. Mm -hmm. And that's where the like, like semifinals one match or semifinal semifinal one match uh, one was cool evidence that they were 
they were beatable uh, if you play, if you played the, played it right. But I, I think it's going to be scary to see what 1771 comes back with. Uh, same with the mechanisms because they did what they did without a climb around the robot um, yeah. and put up a hugely impressive performance. Yes. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd almost count on yeah an increased output on cargo from 1771, even though that's hard to imagine but also a more consistent high bar or traversal climb. And again, same with the mechanisms. I think these are two teams you're going to be looking at later in the season that are going to be very hard to beat. But uh, it's this setting a standard early in the PCH season for teams to set a bar and say, all right, that's the bar. We got to keep up with it. But similar to like Walton in 2019, coming out guns blazing, filling up rockets. Um I think 1771 is almost on another level uh, in relation to that. That we said, Walton's not just good for PCH; they're good in the world. They're good on the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think 1771's uh, almost kicked that up a notch because yeah. they're they're playing both rank. Because Walton could not do a level three climb in 2019 when they were um, doing as well as they were. So now we've got a team in 1771 that's shooting the lights out with cargo and has a pretty good shot at uh going after that traversal rung and more consistent hangar rp so, it's, so they're they're a scary team i i want to correct yes 1771 and the number one seed were vulnerable right but there's one caveat if you watch uh correct if i'm wrong I, i'm pretty sure in their auton their six ball auton they missed several in semi in semifinal one because if they hit their six, you know, we figured we had a very, very slim chance of overcoming that. They had to miss some for us to even have a shot to do it. And it wasn't until about you know 45 seconds in the match where we're like, this could happen because we they were just so good. Uh now as time goes on, right now they're only a six ball all the time out there, right? But that six ball is going to be challenged by getting uh, second or seed alliance could have two, you know, doing two multi balls, and that gap closes, and that's where them going to traversal. They can take spend their time going on other areas other than there's just a shooter area, although they have another hood and a hood design already underway to try to improve their accuracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so yeah, um, it's gonna be a fun season to watch. It's it was exciting week one. It's only gonna get better. Yeah, yeah, and that's again, I think, where Dalton again loaded the uh, PCH event of the season. Um, but I think it's gonna, yeah, sets the scene for an uh, awesome season to come for the rest of our district events, as well as uh, what we're gonna see at state champs, because I think we've got some awesome robots that we have yet to see, in addition to the ones that came out this week, this past weekend, um, who are obviously gonna keep iterating and improving throughout the season. So, with that said, are there any teams that stood out to you at Dalton um, that you'd like to kind of call out on their performance? I would like to um, really shine a light on again on 6705. I think they have the coolest um, high bar in the district. Uh, most teams did the little dual elevator, one grabs, then second hook latches, and another hooks go out and that type of deal. But them having the 148-118 windmill style, I think that was that was really cool. So I have three. So the first one is 5332 Toaster Tech. 
Uh, they played some really great defense, and they they knew how to play defense. They knew how to not try to, when they needed to, play positional defense instead of rubbing, rubbing the bumper defense. So shout out to them. Secondly, I'd like to um, shout out to 4026. Uh, they started out early having a sort of shaky ability to function as far as shooting and stuff. And they, they, you could see as they went on, they got stronger and stronger and stronger. I was very impressed with where they got to at the end. I, I like their improvement. Uh, finally, the Perseverance Award uh, goes to, for me, is the 832 Oscar uh, for two reasons. Uh, they, they one time basically died at the beginning of the match. And instead of, you know, saying we're done, they figured out that their climber arms can work. They talked to their Alliance captains and quals. I think, was it 1771, was it? 1771 in the middle of the match, pushed them onto the bar so they can climb and then went on, right? Uh, that's the type of drive team you love to, love to see out there. Uh, mechanically, uh, also, another trial and tribulation, uh, they had a, 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 a small 17-tooth uh, gear go in their drive chain and break steel gear at the end of day one uh they happened to find the one low sole one that was in somebody else's pit they broached it uh that thing was very fragile when they showed it to me i was like there is more thickness there's more length than a tooth and thickness around the the uh the hex shaft um but them not breaking and take you know driving such a way to keep that thing going very impressed with that too Gotcha. I'm going to make a couple call-outs. Uh, one is 6340, the uh, Maris Manatees. Um, they put up an impre impressive performance. Um, if I've got the numbers pulled up here, they wound up ranking number four. Um, I think hugely banking on their traversal climb. Uh, they're one of those teams that I think put up some, some decent efforts in the past, but uh, cool to see them up there in the ranking points. Uh, and get selected by 6705 early. I think that was very cool to see them pull off the double traversal climb uh, multiple times through the elimination matches and obviously get to finals. Um, another team I'd like to call out is actually a team they uh, went up against in semifinals, um, who was actually ranked a little bit lower, um, for or at least a couple seeds lower, uh, winds up being Walton uh, Robotics. I think uh, Mench uh, had any thoughts on them um or had any word on the street that they were running a little bit behind as a lot of teams are later in the season that the programmers didn't get their hands on the robot um until pretty late in the build season so uh it was interesting to see where they kind of got for iterating through the event for trying to you know smooth some kinks out but i'm very curious to see where they get to because i think they have a high ceiling again because i think they have a traversal climber on the robot but i don't think it's currently functioning um but they have a swerve drive the double in dual intake um i think they have a, a high ceiling but again i'm curious to see where they get with it um throughout their second district event and then uh, where they get to at state champs but will be an interesting progression to keep track of um with that said uh we're gonna do uh, a little bit of chairman's chat on uh our Dalton events. We're going to give a huge shout out to Team 7451 Alliance Academy, the Avenger Robotics team from Alliance Academy, which is pretty exciting news because they're one of our fellow uh, Forsyth County teams. Um, they pulled that off uh, in 
a pretty, I don't know if astonishing fashion is one way to put it, um, that they uh, had a teacher change and the student body was able to keep the momentum going well enough that they 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 had that effort uh, go, go strong and cool, very cool to see that continue um, to be in a, 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 a emphasis uh, for that team to keep pushing uh, and con huge congrats uh, to the Avenger Robotics team. Uh, 7451. Uh, I'd also like to give a short shout out to 5900, the hometown team of the Fighting Mongooses for their EI victory at Dalton. Um, cool to see a hometown team win. And per the awards announcement, it was awesome to see uh, what efforts y'all had uh, put in. And um, those teams are in a lucky position in, in some sense uh, to be able to have a shot at some of those uh, guaranteed qualification spots for Worlds for later in the season. So it'll be interesting to keep track of what those uh, chairmen and EI teams uh, wind up winning throughout the rest of the, the district events season and who uh, heads into that competition or uh, comparing, uh, I guess, awards entries uh, for a state championship. So good luck to those teams um, as we keep going on. Another huge shout out to Team 8866, who a rookie team out of Alpharetta, Georgia. Um, they ended up winning the Rookie All-Star Award, uh, which gives them guaranteed qualifying into state and is also one of the guarantee awards that guarantees you a spot at Worlds if you win at the state level. So huge shout out and props to y'all. Yeah, which is an interesting note comment to make there is that with Georgia being down to four district events instead of five, it's a, a narrowed pool for those teams competing against and having any more improved shot at one of those worlds bids. So obviously the important part here is the the, the effect you're having on our, our culture and the emphasis on STEM, but cool to also have a, a shot at or a world championships bid as a result. So keep up the good work. And we'll see you out there. Um, with that said, we'll uh, jump into our Columbus preview. Um, any thoughts on Columbus as we start rolling uh, towards the event later this week? I think it's it's going to be a really interesting event. I'm really excited to see what 4188 and 6919 have cooking. Um, I personally have not really seen or heard much of what they're doing. So I think it's going to be very excited to see them. Um, 6919 before the pandemic was really looking like a team that was world beaters. And it, it's going to be cool to see how they grow in. And then 4188, they're always just fun to watch. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see what uh, there's actually a lot of teams from Winnett going there. A lot of the uh, high school teams are going down to Columbus. It's their first event. Uh, 1261 played really strongly in 2020 with their everybot. And uh, it looks like from their photos I've seen, they're doing, they're not doing everybot. They are going to be more of a, um, um, a shooting bot. Uh, so we'll I'll be curious to see how well they do and then hope to see good things on down there. With their robot, it was I think it was working a little bit earlier, so hopefully they have the benefit of uh, programming time and drive time, which is always very critical. Uh, let's see who else. That's where, from looking at my notes, I have my handy-dandy registration tracking sheet, but I think the only it'll be everybody's first event except for forty-one twelve, who's 
still currently registered for three events. This is the only PCH team registered for three events this season. So we'll see if all three of those events stick to their schedule. But they'll be the only team coming into this event with any experience um, from Dalton. But hopefully the rest of the teams at Dalton have been paying attention to some week one and week two action um, to get some some tips and notes on how to play the game uh, before learning the hard way. So you know, keep those intakes in your in your bumper perimeter and uh, uh, build a robust robot, folks. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. this game hits hard. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see uh, with sixty nine nineteen, but there's also several teams in Albany really close near there to the DE field and Columbus having a DE field. If anybody's able to sort of, oh, that's how you do six ball all the time. You know, if given a week, can we make that happen? You know, will we see a second six ball all time in Georgia? You know, if you have a swerve, right, you can then drive it. The question is, you know, do you have the shooting ability to do that? Uh, but the one thing that was really interesting about um, 1771 six ball all time is take advantage of the three cargo rule where you hold it less than three seconds. That shot doesn't have to be made from the human player station. So some teams who thought they had to drive out the human player and shoot now can actually drive back and just carry those balls and have one less shooting cycle. So I'd be interested to see if anybody, can, anybody else can pull that off too. Yeah, yeah, and- yeah I think we're in at an interesting point that we've got a couple of contenders on the state championship front out of our Dalton event, but it'll be interesting to see who else pops up 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 here at this uh, Columbus event upcoming. Um, are there any teams on that list that really stand out to you? I know there's a couple, you know, uh, obvious ones that have had some success in the past. Any others that stand out on the list to you as p- possible contenders? Um, 24-15, you can't really count them out. They go into this season being back-to-back defending state champions. Um, they've won the last two state championships that have happened. Um, you can't really ever sleep on them. They somehow always seem to find a way to win. Um, and then another team is uh, 1648 um, Midtown Robotics. I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be another team to watch, especially when it comes to their uh, their chairman's push. Yeah, I, I agree with 1648 G3. I know that. Um, um, Eric Kaufman, a mentor that was from 2974, is now working with them. Um, and so, if, you know, hopefully, I'm not saying that they're contenders. I'm just encouraged to see what they're going to do. Uh, same with IHOT 1414. Um, I've, I think they can come out and do some, some interesting things. I'm curious to see what they're going to be doing. Um, I'd toss another, I think I'm more intrigued than anything. I don't know how much they'll be in the uh, contenders ring, but it'll be interesting to see what they show up with is that, that, uh, Wildcats team for 2415. I know they did a rebuild, I think, uh, for the 2021 season that wound up having a full swerve and spindexer. Um, obviously haven't like working off some notes from some successful designs for the 2020 season. Wasn't the most the, the highest performing uh, robot at the event, but certainly showed some ambition, um, which that that's the thing that makes me then the most curious of what they'll they'll wind up popping up with this season. Fourteen um, fourteens another uh, one on the list. I forget if one of you two mentioned them or not, but 
Um, they're kind of one that I keep my eye on for uh, building some consistent robots. I think it was Justin Chow recently got uh, in contact with, with me for getting added to our, our mental roundtable uh, Slack or Slack for uh, PCH um, for being involved with 1414. So I think that means some good things for them in their season. But very curious on seeing what their robot looks like. Uh, 3635 is another one. Uh, I know a lot of people uh, harp on um, Mechanum Drive robots, but they had one of the best driven uh, Mechanum Drive robots I've seen in a long time in uh, 2019 for scoring cargo uh, at a high clip. So um, very curious to see um, uh, what what they're up to um, and what they what they come up with for their uh, um 2022 entry yep. but um any so other thoughts on columbus also um mechanicals 4509 out of linear high school they did well at gainesville I, I see them improving i you know i talked to the mentors over there in the past and um they're actually integrating the uh frc program into the sort of the curriculum more and so I expect to see some good things coming out of them as that continues to have impact going forward. Um, I'm seeing some scary things right now. Uh, uh, Thomas and Brian, I know you're in the PCH Mentor Roundtable Slack, but it looks like uh, 1414 just posted a photo. I don't know if we'll be able to share it here, but uh, if you uh, check it out, it looks like a uh, ambitious robot. They're sh shooting for... Uh, Oh Shoot. no! <laughs> so looks like we have oh, another no. uh, possible contender here in PCH. Uh, so keep your Ooh. keep your ear to the <laughs> that's uh, nice ear to the grapevine. Here. <laughs> we'll we'll do some work in here in the back background just to see if uh, if we can uh, get that work worked in here. Um, just in, into some show content, but. Um, we're we're getting some permission first before sharing. Well, yeah. <laughs> While we're getting permission, I think cool. something that really this happened outside of PCH. Um, but if you could pull it up, uh, Spectrum's second or sec, uh, Spectrum Robotics out of Texas, their developmental team had a really cool autonomous to try and defend against 118. Um, I think if we could try and pull that up. Yeah, here, let me pull that up. We've got uh, Anupam working in the background trying to facilitate, uh, but looks like we have some, a couple of difficulties. I think I can pull it up here and do a screen share, um, and he can get that worked into the stream for um, Peach Pit. But yeah, there's some really innovative strategies out there um, that's that are really cool to see, um, and it's, it's always fun when teams kind of look at look at the, the game with a curious eye and say, maybe this could work um but here let me see if i can't pull this off here for share my screen and then we'll get this pulled up all right if you can see my screen i got this uh, match from i think it was channel view district event down in texas so this is uh spectrum robotics um for 3847 they have a developmental team um that they wound up signing up last year um, that just due to the amount of students they have that they they wind up signing up two teams. Um, so they actually intentionally they built an every bot inspired design um, this year. But you can see them here if you're if you see my mouse hovering, 
Um, we'll get this maximized here. But they're this blue robot here, and they're I think this is quarterfinals at again the channel view event. But they're against the 118 alliance here in red, um, which I'm sure was an uphill climb at whenever you're playing them. But uh, if I'll get this this match rolling, Alan Gregory had posted this on Chief Delphi, so um, watch what this blue robot does here. For I think it's 85-15, if I unless I have the number wrong, but we'll see what their bumpers look like. But watch what they do during this autonomous mode, and we'll get a little reaction afterwards. They call it they call it the billiard ball autonomous mode. And for those who are only listening instead of watching, um, what you would what you didn't see uh, in in the audio format is that the blue robot. Uh, on the blue side of the field during autonomous mode, intentionally lined up their every butt claw, um, dropped it down, um, and spit out their their blue cargo directly at the one sitting behind 118, who anybody doing a five ball auton uh, commonly will shoot the one cargo and then pick up the next two. But uh, 118 was probably surprised to find out that they were picking up the blue cargo that had replaced their red cargo, um, <laughs> which is, is just a hilarious but awesome tactic at the same time um, for uh, pulling that off <laughs> at, at an event and, and coming up with that strategy. So huge kudos to that Spectrum team um, on pulling that off. Thomas, Brian, any thoughts on that one? I think it's really cool. It's it's always fun to see interesting strategies um, that teams will think up of just to the little niche things. Um, I, I thought that I thought I had a chuckle when I watched it. Yeah, um, I, I thought it was really funny. Yeah, I, I had heard talk about some some human players trying to throwing throwing balls not at the goal but to other the opposing alliances balls around the field, especially if you have you know a six ball all time, let's say. Uh, but having your robot do it's even even more fun because they're gonna score yours too. Add this to the list of things that hum the robots are better at than humans. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think um, we have. We'll, I'll try to uh, now that we got our somewhat of a, a content sharing method out here. Well, I'll try to screen share a couple other things, uh, neat videos from uh, Dalton event, and a couple of unique climbs that wound up happening. So we've got. I think we mentioned it earlier for the uh, 1771 helping Oscar climb when their drivetrain gave out. So Oscar was, I think, on the uh, opposing side of the field when this happened. That 1771 then had they they then communicate with 1771 saying, "Hey, our drivetrain's broken, but <laughs> our midbar climber is still very functional. So if he can push us into the climb zone, uh, we can still climb." So. Um, here, let me work on getting getting that shared, and then we have another one. Uh, this is a funny story from one of our matches that we were able to actually pull off. Um, here, let me see. I've got that one queued up, but I, a funny match where we found out our uh, a, one of our teammates' drivetrains didn't work, and a, a funny solution to how we could still make use of them in our match for a, a good four points, but. So here, let me get this shared for a second um, for the 1771 climb, and then we'll we'll jump straight into then our our climb with I think 6887. So 
All right, so here we are at the Dalton event. Um, this is match 46 for those interested in you know, checking out the match, but we're, we're partway through, I think. Uh, uh, we're 122 seconds left in the match. But you can see this Oscar robot. You know, I'll, I'll zoom back a little bit, and we can see exactly where Oscar's drivetrain gives out. Um, but our video is a little jumpy. But you can see Oscar is struggling a little bit with our drivetrain, but... It looks like one side of it's out pretty clearly that they're spinning around one side of it. So they spin around and stop right there. And I'm pretty sure this is where the communication is. If you can see, uh, this is, uh, I think, Banks back here talking actively with Chris, who's the mentor or drive coach from 1771. But Oscar is now fully stagnant. I think they might do a another 90-degree turn here to get lined up a little bit. But... Yep, so there you can see them coordinating back here a little bit. But here comes 1771. I think they're about to come into action. So, yep, here's the push. <laughs> back to the blue hanger zone we go. <laughs> we'll show you the way. <laughs> so, they, all right, so they're like, no, we're not doing a low bar climb. Push us further in. We got. <laughs> we can do go, We can do better than that. So Oscar puts their hooks up, 1771 smoothly comes around the backside nudges him in oscar gets up for the mid bar hot climb you can see the crowd going crazy down here so it's uh <laughs> cool cool effort there it looks like oscar even i don't i forget if they pull off a higher looks like they may have missed on the high bar climber there but <laughs> i think they wind up settling for the mid bar climb for this match but oh well, maybe i'm wrong but they at least got their hooks hooks up there for a high bar. I can't remember the. Oh, oh yeah, they do get it. How about that? Even cooler than for making they get ten points out of a bad situation. So that makes our our four a uh, little less little less impressive, but still still a funny situation. But so yeah, that was match uh, forty six. It looks like, but um, you know, let me pull up then our other entertaining match here. We'll see what we have um and this is match 41 again from dalton event but as a lead into this match coverage we had um only in i think q did we realize that 6887's drivetrain wasn't working properly and i think before we got the robots out there i think we had discussed techno titans who are on the other side here uh we're going to be the ones to nudge them over but by the time we got robots on the field we're like, all right, we're sandwiched in between them and the goal, so we may as well be the ones to do it. Um, but what you see on 6887's robot is one of the passive climbers from the every bot. Um, but uh, the the low bar climb is passive. I, I guess we could technically have mid bar climbed them if we'd spun them around um, 180 and pushed them in that way. But they essentially said their drivetrain was dead. Um, we figured it would be easier to push them in with out any power going to the drivetrain. So we had them unplug the drive motors uh, just so there was no brake mode or anything um, uh, slow, uh, slowing them down just because we don't have very heavy robot either, but just wanted to make sure there was no traction issues. So they unplugged their drive motors for this match. But only after we put the robot on the field and we we're about to start Auton did I remember that we shoot one ball and then back up an Auton. So we were actually going to have a decent chance of having these guys on the bar at the end of Auton. But I'll, with that being said, I'm going to let the let the video play, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> so we'll see. Kyle's getting the match queued up. There's the beginning of Auton. 
we shoot our ball and then start driving backwards and they're aimed right at the low bar. We actually got one of their passive hooks on um, during our time. So we have three, two, one. And then at the beginning of Teleop, we just come back and uh, do a couple of nudges and pop that second hook on and get our four points out of that that low bar climb. So again, cool to see the, <laughs> the crowd <laughs> enjoying that little the curious strategy that developed through some improvisation of and uh, a tough situation, but cool to see teammates come together on some fun strategies. Unfortunately, guys, I think the mentor who posted that video, that photo has gone to bed. So the permission to post 14 14 photo will have to wait till a later date, or you can just watch it at Columbus. Now, how are we going to do that to people, Thomas? You know, we don't like to you know, leave the crowd hanging. <laughs> Listen, I have, I, have, we have, I have reached out in every way I know how. I, um, I can't help it if the man's gone to sleep. I can say this. If you're a mentor and not on the PCH Mentor Slack, join or reach out to uh, Kellen. Right? Yeah, get access get to track. exclusive content on PCH Mentor. You can yeah. see 1414's <laughs> robot early at a mentor if you are in the PCH Mentor Roundtable. So if you're going to Columbus, you want a competitive advantage, you can see their bot now. At the PCH Mentor Roundtable. <laughs> All right. Well, with that being said, I think we are out of content for the night. I'm sure we're going to have some more uh fun and interesting things to talk about next weekend after the Columbus event. We'll be back then. Um, but uh, Brian Thomas, any last thoughts on our show as we wrap up? Uh, too many teams are going swerve, bro. I, I, I hoped it wouldn't happen, but swerve is now the first meta. Swerve's there, but I've, the swerve that is there is working well, right? There may be a few teams that struggling a little bit, but it wasn't like the Ritz. People are actually getting this word working, which is good because it means they're they're programming better, right? And programming better is going to be where a lot of competitions are won at is can you do these multiple autons? Can you tune your shooters? And I look forward to seeing that sort of fall over into the rest of the robots. Yeah, I, I'm personally just hoping that none of them uh, play defense on us ever again this season. <laughs> so that's, that's my only hope. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, with that being said, uh, that's all we have for this episode of Peach, Peach Pit, and we hope to see you next time. Oh, uh, oh, brief shout out to the producer behind the scenes, Anupam, once again. Um, he's not on camera this time, but he has been helping us out throughout the uh, throughout the podcast. So thank you, Anupam. Yeah, thank you, Anupam, making the magic happen. Thank you. <laughs> all right, with that being said, uh, see you all next time. <laughs>